atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here I want to start out by praying this morning over, uh, over the message and over our ears and over our hearts. Father, we just come to you today and we thank you for this time for all of us to be together, Father, in this time of fellowship and in your presence. Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us, Father, and we thank you for the direction that you place over our lives. We ask that you just be with each of us and that you touch our hearts and touch our ears and touch our minds so that we can be open to receive the word that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm, first I'm going to ask that you guys bear with me. Um, it has been, I think, 16 years since I actually... Um, preached a service. <laughs> I've done lots of sharing at different times over the years. I've done, if you've been here for years, you know I do skits and plays, and, and sometimes I have five-minute shares, you know, of things that God has been showing me. Um, but it's been a long time since I've stood right here and done this. <laughs> um, so a couple weeks ago, Glenn came to me and asked me if I would share today, and if I had something. And um, I usually do. Usually um, I have something. But on that particular day when he asked me, I, I didn't. Um, and, and I told him that. I said, no, I don't. But if you want me to share, I'm sure that I will by then, you know, because I have found that if I ask God for him to show me something or share something with me or to give me insight, that he is faithful to do so. Um, now it's my habit whenever I want to speak to God or, or I want to hear from God, specifically when I want to hear from God clearly, that I start out in worship. Um, I'm not sure why, but I, I personally hear him much more clearly when I'm in an attitude of worship and when I'm in worship. And so I went to God and I said, you know, what do you want me to share? And I just began to worship him. And um, I was listening to one of my new favorite songs. Um, and in that song, there's a period of like prophetic free worship. And the singer gives a song that she begins to sing in the spirit. And before I got sick, I intended to actually try to sing these lines, but um, she says, there's a line and we've crossed it. Some may say that we've lost it. Oh, but we found our joy. We found our joy. It's the joy of loving you. Now, I've listened to this song on many occasions, but that day I was really focusing, and I was, you know, really trying to hear from God, and I heard very clearly him say, be not conformed. 
And so that's the title for today, although I don't think I actually gave them a title to put up on the overhead. Um, it's significant that I have a title. Normally, I don't. Usually, I get something from God, and then afterwards, I'm like, what would you call this God? Um, but he gave me a title before he gave me a message. Um, so at the time, he said, be not conformed. And I was like, oh, well, that's exactly what she's saying, God. She's talking about how the world, when they view us, they might think that we've lost our minds from the outside. Um, and I was like, that's a great scripture. And God said to me, what do you know about that scripture? Hmm. Well, that we shouldn't be conformed, that we should be transformed. And God said, and... I finally had to stop and I had to say, you know, God, I guess I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about that scripture. Um, I know what it says, that we should not be conformed to the world and that we should be transformed. Um, but I, I don't know really what that means. I haven't really researched it. And so I guess I'm, I'm going to have to do that before I talk to you about it more. And, and he was like, yeah, you're going to have to do that. And so that's where we're headed today. Romans 12, 2 in the King James, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, I've sat under years of Karen's teaching, and Karen, years ago, started out, and she's, I'm sure she's not the first, but, but she's the first that I sat under, where um, somebody would go and really look up the Greek translation um, of the words. And so I have found that when she teaches that way, that I learn a lot more and that I perceive a lot more. And so I decided that's how I was going to start out in studying this, is that I was going to look over um, the actual Greek translation for the scripture. And so I want to run through that, and I want to try not to get too bogged down with um, all the information. Um, but I do want to start out with pointing out that the scripture starts with, and be not. And that translates exactly how you would expect it to. Don't do it. Um... I think it's important to take a moment to focus on the fact that this is a clear directive. Be not, do not, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Be not conformed, and conformed here translates to to be identified with, to have the same outer shape as, to assume a similar outward form, or to pattern oneself after specifically in one's mind and character. Merriam-Webster, I went ahead and looked there for their definition of conformed, and they said, the dictionary said, to conform is to act in accord with the prevailing standards, attitudes, and practices of a society or a group. So in other words, we shouldn't fit in. And I asked God, because I, when I talk to God, it's frequently very conversational. Um, 
I said, well, you know, I understand what the scripture says, but why shouldn't we fit in? And he said, when you pattern yourself after one another, the two can't be differentiated later. How can we convince the world that we have something they need if they can't see any difference between what we have and what they have? Amen. And I was like, point taken. I've heard, you know, I've heard something similar to that before, but it was a confirmation for me that that, that was his view as well. And so, going back to the scripture, we're not going to conform. And specifically, we're not going to conform to the world. Now, world here in the Greek actually doesn't translate to the world. It translates to an age, a cycle of time, specifically the present age as contrasted with the future age and of one of a series of ages stretching to infinity. Now, I know that, that was a real mouthful. But it brought me immediately to mind to a scripture. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So we're not going to conform to this world or this period of time. Now, we weren't just given a don't do that. Um, have, you, have you as parents, you've ever done that? Um, you tell your kid don't do that, and they say, why? And then you find yourself saying, because I said so. Because in reality, um, it was a knee-jerk response on your part, and you don't really have a good reason for why they shouldn't do that. Um, but that's not the case here in this scripture. He says, do not be conformed to the world. But, then he says, instead do this. Be ye transformed... And transform in the Greek translates to change after being with. Change after being with whom? Maybe if we read on, we'll figure it out. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing translates to a change of heart and life, a renovation, a complete change for the better. Well, obviously, a transformation with a complete renewing or change for the better is a good thing, right? But I still don't know with whom is causing this transformation. So, of course, as I was talking to God about this, I was telling him, I was like, you know, I understand that um, the translation and change after being with whom is what I really need to understand to make sure that I am getting all the information here. And he said, well, there's only one of us left on the earth. And I had an aha moment, you know, a slap your forehead. Um, and if you had already figured out that he was talking about the Holy Spirit, good for you, you were ahead of me. Um, but I'm a fairly literal individual, and since it didn't straight out say the Holy Spirit, I didn't infer that on my own. <laughs> so instead of conforming, we're going to be transformed by the renovation of our heart and life and mind. And mind translates here to exactly what we think of it as. 
that thing between your ears. But the scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on to say why we're going to renew our minds. That we may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, prove here actually translates to test, examine, analyze, and approve. So we're going to test, examine, analyze, and approve the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did anybody else just get nervous at the thought of testing and approving God? Right? We don't think of ourselves in that way. We think of, um, yeah. <laughs> we don't think of ourselves as, as analyzing God, testing God, proving God. Now, good, acceptable, and perfect seem here to be simple adjectives describing the will of God. But I wanted to be thorough, so I looked up the translations for them, and I found them to be noteworthy. Good translates to intrinsically good, good in nature, good whether it is seen to be so or not. So this is pure good, um, not the kind of good where you're like, oh, that candy bar was so good, when it obviously wasn't good for you. Intrinsically good. And perfect translates to full-grown, complete in all its parts, mature, going through the necessary stages to reach the end goal. And acceptable means well-pleasing and gratifying. So I have an understanding of these adjectives used to describe the will of God, but how does the will of God translate in the Greek? The will of God translates to the desire or wish, God's preferred will, his best offer to people which can be accepted or rejected. God's best offer. Well, he's God. So why is this a situation where it's an offer? Why not just this is my will and this is how it shall be? Well, that's because we have free will. No person is forced to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and no person is forced to accept the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So once I got through all that translation, I decided to go back and reread the scripture with my translations, and here's what I ended up with. Do not pattern yourself to the standards, attitudes, and practices of this cycle of time, but do be completely renovated for the better in your heart, life, and mind, after being with the Holy Spirit, so that you can test and prove what is God's intrinsically good, gratifying, and mature desire and best offer for your life. So when I got done with this translation, I sat back and I thought to myself, well, now the be not conformed part seems like a pretty small part of this scripture. The good stuff comes later, right? But that's not what God spoke to me. He said, be not conformed. He didn't say, be transformed. So why focus on that part? 
Why not focus on the good stuff? I get that we shouldn't be conformed to this time, but the exciting part of the scripture is what we should be doing. And we all struggle with not conforming to the world's practices and standards, ideologies and beliefs. I don't think that there's any of us that can't think of something that is a difficult topic. Um, politics, religion, abortion, immigration, homosexuality. There are lots and lots of different topics that we face every day in life that um, challenge our belief system, challenge our, uh, our teachings. And so when I talked, started to talk to God about this, about why be not conformed and why not be transformed, he said, this is an either-or statement. The two are mutually exclusive of one another. They can't both be true. Well, I immediately took offense to that. I said, look, God, to be honest, um, I know that there are areas of my life where I conform. But I also know that there are areas of my life where you have transformed them. They are different. They are better. You have done for me exactly what you said in the scripture. You have transformed my life. And so how can, how can I have areas of my life where I conform? And how can I have areas of my life that you have transformed? And he said, well, I've only transformed the parts that you will let the Holy Spirit influence you in. And he's right. At home and in my personal life, I've seen God do some amazing things. He's carried me through more struggles and trials and crises than I care to admit to. And he has blessed me in more ways than I could possibly tell you about in this allotted time period. And it's been possible because through the good and the bad, I have desperately clung to him like a life preserver. When times were bad, I held him close, and I made him my one constant. And when times were good, I gave him credit. And in my home and in my personal life, he is my companion, my confidant, and my friend. But I am ashamed to admit that there are parts of my life, specifically at my job, where God is rarely at the forefront. He is pushed into a corner so that I can get my work done, so that I can fit in as a female in a predominantly male environment. And it's been a long time since I've seen his manifest presence in my workplace. A long time since I have noticed or recognized his hand in the happenings of that place. But that's not his choice. That's mine, right? 
I have clung to him at home and in my family life and in my personal life. But I set this apart. And I said, you know, this is something else. This is what I do for a living. This is how I'm perceived to the public. This is separate. We're going we're gonna to keep this over here, God. And when I'm not there, I will praise you and I will exalt you. And when I am there, I will be the me I need to be to get things done. And so, as I was talking to God about this, I said, you know, what is the how here, God? I don't just want to translate the scripture and list a bunch of do's and don'ts and not give any practical application for change. And God began to talk to me about the Holy Spirit and about the fruit of a life with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, in some translations that's forbearance, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness or meekness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the attributes of a person living in accord with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to credit yourself with good works? I mean, if, if somebody lists off these nine gifts of the Spirit, love, well, of course you love someone, but are you a loving individual? We often don't give ourselves credit for that because nobody knows us as well as we know ourselves, right? And for every person that we know we love, we know there's somebody that we just don't really care for, right? Joy, peace. Have a lot of peace at my house. It's a wonderful thing. But that being said, there are times where Every person in the house is yelling at each other or chasing each other or, you know, I'm, I'm hollering at the kids. Don't do this. Do do that. Somebody get that, you know. And I know that. So I don't necessarily immediately think of myself as being a peaceful individual. Self-control. That's a biggie, right? Because we all know at some point... Maybe for me, my, my thing is I have great self-control as far as what I say. I don't say things that are hurtful to people. I attempt not to. But I have lots of other areas in my life where I don't have as much self-control, right? Maybe in what I eat or in what I think, certainly. It might not come out of my mouth, but I did think it. And a man, I am reading you the riot act inside. So sometimes it's hard to credit yourself with these good works or to recognize them within your life. But for every one of these attributes, God said, there is an antonym 
a word opposite in meaning. And those things are easier to recognize within your own life. Those things are easier to guard against, to cut out like a cancer. Some of the antonyms for the fruit of the spirit, dislike, hate, hatred. I stopped God right there and I was like, now listen, God, I don't think there's anybody that I hate. And he's like, yeah, but there's a whole lot of people that you do not love. Disagreement, disharmony, fighting and war, sadness and sorrow and woe and unhappiness. Does anybody have any unhappiness in their life? There are days when I really enjoy my job, and there are days where I am just there. In fact, that had become one of the statements that I would occasionally say while I was at work. Someone would be like, how are you? I am here. That's as good as it's going to get. I am here. Agitation, frustration, intolerance, impatience. That's a biggie for me. I answer the phone a lot at work. I have a great phone voice. Thank you for calling Peter's Heating. This is Mary. How may I help you? I have people tell me all the time that I sound like a recording. I want to take your phone call and we run through all of the questions that you might have and I set you up. When I hang up, I am impatient. I am ready to be off the phone with you because there's two more calls coming in. And maybe I felt that some of your questions, you know, um, were not deserving of my time. <laughs> Rashness, dishonesty, disloyalty, treachery, hardness, cruelty, revenge and vengeance, disregard, neglect, harshness, meanness, evilness, indecency, and wickedness. Do you see these attributes in your life, in areas of your life? Are they the areas that the Holy Spirit doesn't go with you? Are they the areas where maybe he's not leading you? Am I the only one that sometimes struggles with leading two lives? Because that's what it seems, right? Like I'm leading two lives. Do you make excuses for them? Don't we? Well, I can't be happy all the time. Well, it's not my fault, they're an idiot. Right? <laughs> By working to cut these things from our lives, 
we move ourselves one step closer to being transformed, to walking with the Holy Spirit and with his presence in our life. As I was studying and talking to God about this, there was one other scripture that I came to. In the Greek, the translation for transformed, there's another scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the last one, I think. Um, the translation for transformed is the same in this scripture as it is in Romans 12.2. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to drag you all through the whole translation again of this particular scripture, but I did do it whenever I was studying. And it translated like this. We all with a mind not blinded, but predispositioned to perceive the glorious majesty of Christ, seeing as clearly as a reflection in a mirror, the glory, the especially divine quality, the splendor, the unspoken manifestation of God, are being changed after being with him into the same image, a mirror-like reflection of him, of the absolute perfect excellence of Christ, justice from the Holy Spirit. There's somebody here today who um, I hadn't actually intended to, to share this scripture, but there's somebody here today who needs to know that God is transforming you into his image. And it's perfect. It's mature. Bright and beautiful in every way.